Welcome back to Chatting with Copywriters Season 2. I'm your co-host, Kimberly. And I'm Bobby. This season, we have more of your favorite ad breakdowns. Insider marketing and copywriting tips. Interviews and more wacky questions that lead into interesting marketing subjects. In this episode of Chatting with Copywriters, we're going to be talking about how to get that first draft done, no matter what. However, before we dive into that, as always, Bobby and I are going to have a little bit of a discussion about something random that I have no idea of because she has a question for me and I don't know what it is. So, Bobby, what is my question? I do enjoy coming up with these questions kind of like off the cuff. <laughs> and I enjoy sometimes being surprised by them. And sometimes I'm just like, why did she ask that? Now I have to think really fast. So, <laughs> all right. So, Kimberly, your question today is, when was the last time that you tried to learn something new? Oh, when was the last time I tried to learn something new? Um... I and mean, there's a follow-up question, by the way. I was going to say, in general, I probably tried to learn a new software, but I try and learn so many new softwares, I don't know which one it was. Um, okay, that doesn't count. Find another thing. <laughs> find another thing. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so uh, the last time I tried to relearn something new, how about that? Uh, okay. I, I learned Mandarin uh, while living in China, and then I, you know, Languages use it or lose it. So I tried doing the um, the little app that you do ten minutes a day, uh, Duolingo, and uh, I gave up after like two months because. Okay, so what is the phrase in Mandarin that you remember right now? And then you'll have to translate it for me, by the way. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. What'saiqingdaoshuishihanyuuguye, uh, and that means. And that means I studied Chinese while I was at Qingdao University for five months. That's fantastic. I couldn't even come close to saying that in a second language. Um, also, also, one thing I remember. Okay, fantastic. So follow-up question, because I am going to ask the follow-up question is, so uh, were you perfect when you first started relearning something? Oh my gosh, no. I was actually really mad at myself for how much I had forgotten. Um, cause you know, mm-hmm. I was looking at phrases or hearing phrases and I was like, I know I should know this. I recognize the character. I should know what it means, but I'm just blinking on it. And yeah. it, it drove me a little crazy. Um, and one of the reasons I stopped was because when I first learned Mandarin, it was so random. Like I learned how to say, where's the karaoke? And I have a hangover before I learned how to say, where's the bathroom? Okay. <laughs> because that's- those are two phrases. Everybody should know period. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's what, that's the way our, our book was structured. It was just like some random conversation. And then the next thing we learned was like the colors of the bike. Um, so <laughs> this time, you know, they were, they were following a, a real curriculum that was kind of, you know, this is what you should learn first and, you know, family members and then learning how to talk about work. And so like, there were so many basic phrases that I just, I, I couldn't even know. So no, I was definitely not perfect at it. How about that's, you? That's, that's fantastic. Well, my, my ability to have a second language was back in like middle school and I really badly sucked at it in high school, but, um, <laughs> No, so I would say the last thing that I attempted to learn was how to fly a plane. And um, that was a while ago, though, wasn't it? It was. It was. But that's the last thing that I truly learned from scratch, not relearn, not get better at or learn something new to enhance what I was already doing that you had a basic knowledge. It is truly the last thing that I learned that nothing that I did as an adult translated into mm-hmm. learn. I mean, the 
process of learning was the same, but just how the plane moved, how it moved through the air, understanding that, you know, weather matters and air pressure, everything was from, from ground zero and nothing translated because the way you drive a car is not the same way that you fly a plane and all those different types of things. And, um, you know, to answer my second question, I sucked the first couple of times <laughs> I went up, which is also why you go up with an instructor, you know, somebody to help guide you along because they know that you're not supposed to be perfect that first time. And mm -hmm. I truly remember the first time that I really was 100% in the plane by myself. Like the instructor, you know, we'd been doing all sorts of things. My instructor says, okay, pull over, shut down. I'm getting out. Oh, geez. <laughs> They, he said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You go, you do your, your three touch and goes around the airport, but you're doing it by yourself. Oh man, the just, and I had been flying at that point in time. Now, I think I'd had almost 40 hours of flight time under my belt before I, you know, had this, um, so the solo experience. And even still, I was like, oh my God, I hope I do this right. I hope I do this right. And, and, and everything like that. But, um, it did not, I mean, my first solo was good. It was, it was good. You know, I, everything went off without a hitch. I'm still here to tell about it. And so is the plane. So is the that's runway good. and everything else. Already, right. You know, so that's, and that, that was really good. But even then, you know, when I look back at even how long that was ago, and that wasn't even the first time that was like several, several times after that, it was still nerve wracking. And there's lots of things that I look back and go, Oh, but I could have done this different. And I could have done this different and all the type of stuff which is kind of what leads us very seamlessly, you know, huh, it's almost like we plan these, into our topic <laughs> of the day, which is the first draft of anything, whether it be an ad, sales page, your marketing in general, your funnel, your email, whatever it is, the first draft of your book, whatever. We're talking about first drafts and, you know, spoiler alert. They don't have to be perfect. In fact, spoiler alert, they should not be perfect. And your first draft- If it's perfect, should, it's not a first draft. <laughs> I was going to say, your first draft should never be what you submit, ever. It should never uh, see the light of day. No, it should never see the light of day. And one of the things, you know, we've talked about in the past is, you know, how to beat that blank page views, how to just kind of get wait, started. Wait, 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 What was that? How to beat blank the blank page views. Blues. There we go. Blues. <laughs> Link page blues. It's hard to say. Um, but, you know, one of the fast. important things I feel about first drafts is you just need to get something down. So it's not necessarily going to have the right structure, the right layout, things in the correct order. It's more about getting your thoughts in some kind of semblance of order that getting them out of your head, out of your head. I mean, obviously, when I write a first draft, I'm going to be I, I have other things in place already, like I've got the information about the, the buyer in front of me and the information from the research I've done and the voice of customer data and all of that. But at some point, you just kind of have to sit down and put it all out. And I'm definitely one of those fans of, you know what, I'm going to sit down for 40 minutes. I'm going to have my other documents open so that I know what needs to be said. And literally just whatever comes to my mind is what I type out. And then I get up and walk away. Get up and walk away is like a key part of the process. But it, for it first drafts especially, it is just about getting getting the thoughts down. And 
uh, you know, I think Bobby and I differ in how we approach first drafts. So uh, what, what's your framework? What's your, what's your process? Oh, yeah. No, I would not recommend my process because it's actually incredibly frustrating. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, so no, I, I, I would love to be able to just spew on paper what my thought process is. But I am very bad at going back and editing it, or I change my thought halfway through. So I will delete things and, and go, no, 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 I don't want to say that. And so over the, the years, I've gotten better at that. I've gotten better at going, if I'm changing the direction, I just hit enter a couple of times and then start the new direction. And that's worked better for me, but I still like, I will still go back and edit as I'm writing. And I actually think that I would be better getting it out and not hitting the backspace button unless I've really horribly misspelled the word, right? Mm-hmm. Which thank God for that little red underline because there are times where I'm like, oh, I don't even it's know. It's a miracle worker. I it swear. It, it can be. It certainly can be until it. until it thinks you've got the right word, but it's the wrong word in the context that you're using. But um, that's what the blue (laughs) underline is for. That is, that is what the blue underline is for. So um, no, I, I, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm truly horrible at editing while I go and write the first draft. Although even still my first draft, I do walk away from and I go back and I do a lot of editing afterwards. So I'm pre-editing the first draft that is then also going to be edited. And it's, it's funny because it, you work two different sides of your brain from the writing and the creative aspect of it to the mm-hmm. editing that happens. And so I do believe that I would be more effective if I could stop hitting the backspace button and just hit enter instead of backspace a couple of times, restart the thought, or just let the thought continue until that thought is done and then move on to the next one. Yeah, I will say that that is pretty much my process. I avoid the backspace button, but my thoughts will, they'll bounce all over the place generally. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, maybe I should try this direction. or Maybe I should try this hook. So I, I will. It's just hit enter a few times and then start the new direction. And I find this especially for Facebook ads because you're trying to, you know, put forth a really great compelling story in a short amount of time generally. So Mm -hmm. I'll start with one idea and then be like, oh, but another way to phrase that is this. So I'll just hit enter a couple times and start writing that one out and be like, oh, you know, I want this phrasing for the call to action. And then "Mm, I want this one too. And oh, I should have those bullet points. And honestly, you go back and look at my first drafts for Facebook ads and it's like clusters of ideas. You know, here's the cluster of an introduction and then Four, four clusters down is another cluster of an introduction. and But that's kind uh, of the idea is that it's just getting your thoughts down. And one way I kind of trained myself to do that was I um, started – so I used to be like you. I used to want to you know go and edit as I was doing it and being like, oh, no, this isn't right. This isn't going to work. So what I would do is I would uh, get out my phone and I would take a walk and I would literally just talk into it. Uh, about whatever the topic is that I'm supposed to be writing about. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would, I, I have a, I'm a big fan of otter.ai. Uh, that is uh, a translation app. So uh, not translation, it's a transcription app. Um, and it can do it live or it can do it from a recording. And, you know, as you talk, it just makes, makes a transcript of what you say. And then I could sit down and that way my thoughts kind of just got to go and bounce all over the place. And then I would copy paste into a document in the right proper order. 
And it's still, you know, nothing that's going to be usable, but it's a good starting point. The thoughts are there. And then I, it kind of trained me to be like, it's okay to have it out of order. It's much easier to rearrange than it is to, um, you know, be going and editing and then losing your train of thought and being like, oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah, a good idea. What happened? Well, and what's, what's really interesting. So the, the most recent uh, promotion that I'm in the process of writing, I really did just let myself go in, in, in typing. And so, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a whole different experience. I mean, it was nerve wracking in the fact that it wasn't the way that I normally do things. But yeah, there really there was there was a couple of times where I had a really brilliant moment, but it just didn't belong where in in the sequence where I had it. So I'm like, okay, just enter 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 a couple of times because I'm sure that's going to come into play. And sure enough, it did later on down the line, or you know, even still a little bit edited and tweaked and stuff like that. And when I hand things over to my clients, I will always call it the polished first draft because it is the first time they are seeing it. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point in time, it's called the polished first draft because it's probably been through easily two to three rounds of edits, if not two to three rounds of full-blown rewrites, depending on how it is that I, I go through the process before they even see it. And so if they add nothing else to it because it's quote-unquote perfect or they, they really enjoy it, it's already gone through, you know, many, many, many rounds of edits. But if they want to continue, if they want to provide feedback and there's some changes and adjustments, it's, I'm setting up that that's actually okay. Because at that point in time, I am looking for their feedback if any is needed. So. Absolutely. I mean, part of my contract states, you know, you get revisions are included because Mm -hmm. I can't read your mind. You can't read my mind, no matter how great my pre-research was and how wonderful our pre-interview was and getting your thoughts down so that I knew what to make sure to add. You know, it's it's almost never going to be perfect. And exactly. it's one of those things where it's like, I'm I'm very aware you're going to have different ideas or maybe you don't like that approach or maybe that was the approach we talked about, but in hindsight, uh, you know, it doesn't need to go that far, you know, whatever it is that you're talking about, you know, revisions are part of your process. And I think that's one of the misconceptions for a lot of people is that really great copywriters, right? They just sit down and bang out a landing page and they're done. And you're like, you have no idea how many revisions that took. Yeah. I was it. Is it, it's Claude Hopkins, I think that said he's a really horrible writer, but but he's he's a great editor, nominal editor. Exactly. that's, That's kind of like, I did not do super well in English class every so one in every so often I had a really great paper. And I mean, I was always good enough to get at least a B or better unless I was sleeping in the back of the class, but that my grade wasn't based on my writing. It was more in my behavior. Um, Yeah. I've already apologized to my English teacher several times, so we're not going to continue to do that. But at the same time, I don't consider myself a writer in the sense that I just sit down and write this beautiful prose. However, I can, I can organize it properly. I can edit it and I can go back and go, I can take whatever this tree bark is and make it into a beautiful sculpture. Yeah. And that's one of the the big things I think is giving yourself permission to not have it perfect the first time out for quite a while. I would try, you know, that's why I would edit as I was going. Cause I was like, I have to get this right. I have to get this right. Then I heard somebody use the phrase ugly first draft and They were saying, you know, it is literally painful to look at. It does not look pretty. It looks nothing like the final product because a huge part of being able to write really great persuasive and conversion-focused copy is the layout. 
because yep. it's how, you know, knowing all of the psychology behind what's going to keep people moving, what's going to keep people, what's going to draw their attention, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, the ugly first draft is not meant to be that. The ugly first draft is exactly how it sounds. It's ugly. It's not pretty. It's not going to be the final product. Mm-hmm. But it's your starting point so that you have all of the main points down. Now, you might find that you want to expand on something or minimize something later through the editing process. Yeah. But that first draft should be nothing that should see the light of day. Honestly, if your first draft <laughs> yeah. is something that you claim could be published tomorrow, I'm going to tell you, you, you haven't spent enough time thinking it through. Absolutely. I like that you use the PG version of that ugly first draft. That is definitely not what I've called it in the past. <laughs> yes. Uh, somebody told me about the ugly first draft and that's what we're going to be talking about here. But, you know, I think an action step is basically just, just uh, giving yourself permission to sit down and write and not edit at the same time. And I think one of the ways to kind of get over your mind wanting to fix things as you go is to set a limit. Literally tell yourself you're allowed to write for 10 minutes to start. Just 10 minutes and you have to keep typing the whole time. That's one thing, people. Uh, that's an exercise I went through. Um, There's when only I first... so many times I can type, uh, uh, Right. Uh, but I mean, uh. you know, it used to be uh, one of the first exercises I remember learning was, you know, sit down for 10 minutes and write. Now that was with a pen and pen, pen or pencil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you're not allowed to stop writing. So literally anything that comes into your head, just write it down. Oh man, I do have some old journals that are just like, and I'm supposed to be writing. And uh, that's what it says. I'm supposed to be writing. So yep. here is me writing and I'm going to continue writing because I'm not allowed to stop. But my and conscience now I'm thinking is still about talking. this TV show. Yeah. And now and I'm then, thinking about, I really yeah. want to eat breakfast because I'm super hungry. And, and your brain goes around and, and, oh, I should be thinking about this. And so here, and then, yeah, it does. It's, it is, a, I mean, the, the human brain and how it thinks and processes and organizes information is truly truly impressive to watch what we have to do to unlock what is truly just a beautiful instrument. Yeah. And one of the the big things for me as well is that uh, the way your mind makes connections, it doesn't make connections as well if you force it. So by sitting down and just writing or by taking a walk and just saying whatever comes to your mind about your topic, it's a great way for your mind to make the connections that you can't necessarily consciously see, Mm -hmm. but subconsciously you can make you know, the connection from point A to point F and, and realize that, oh, that's a great, that's a great uh-huh. perspective. That's a great yeah. hook. No one really uses that. Maybe I should expand on that later. I really enjoy doing that um, when I'm doing the brainstorming session is I'll take whatever it is that I'm writing about and I turn it into a metaphor. So X, Y, Z is like A and usually that's whatever is within my field of vision. So X, Y, Z is like a sofa because and then boom, 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 right? You just, you just start answering that question because all it's designed to do, and really the whole process, all of this is just designed to get your brain thinking about it a little bit differently, get it used to emptying, right? So anything that you have, in, it just it's verbal vomiting on, on paper. So let your fingers fly, let your pen fly, whatever it is, however it is that you're writing it. Just get it out of your head because then it's much easier to organize and adjust and, you know, be judicious with the red pen because the first draft, as you've said before, and I, you know, I think we've said it in multiple um, past episodes, that first draft is never meant to see the light of day. And if it does, you're doing it wrong. 
Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked about the importance of just letting your thoughts get on paper. The reason for a a first draft is to just get your thoughts kind of organized, get them out, get them so that they're not just in your mind. And the importance of just letting your brain kind of run free for a first draft and how even the top writers, even the big names that you can think of, their first draft is never the one they're going to turn in and yours shouldn't be either. Whether you're creating it for yourself or creating it for a client, you want to be able to walk away and come back to it later because there's a lot of power in that and that you can um, see new things when you've kind of got a fresh perspective and a fresh start. So any, any final thoughts uh, to add or final action steps to add for the audience, Bobby? Whether it's for the audience or not, the action step for me is to like, I'm, I'm going to think I'm going to remove the delete key from my keyboard. I'm going to have like two <laughs> different keyboards, right? So one where I remove the delete key and then one where this is my editing keyboard. I'm allowed to have the delete key now. <laughs> there you go. Or, you know, covering it with uh, covering it with tape or something so that it feels different. I wonder and- if I could somehow figure out how to make it shock me. Right, like I would why not so that every that. time I know. <laughs> oh, come on, come on! I that would be awesome. Well, I remember um, <laughs> when I learned how to type in keyboarding class. Like they had these orange covers that you would Maybe put over the keyboard so you couldn't typing. see the letters. Yeah, so like, see if you can find one that can like just cover one of those. Oh no, no. Oh, well, <laughs> no. I used to have a keyboard that had absolutely no writing on it. It was just the keys, and they were it was all blank. So. It was a black keyboard, so there was abs- no writing on it whatsoever. And you want to talk about learning how to use the keyboard and how to type. There was nothing on it. So the only way that you knew what you were typing was that muscle memory and what appeared on the page. So, Oh, yeah. Or one of my oh, favorite things to do when traveling was um, I had a tablet and I would write blog posts while traveling. So I would have the tablet closed on my lap. It would be on and I'd have the travel keyboard on top of it. And I'd be sitting on a train and I would be typing my blog out. But obviously I'm not looking at what I'm seeing. And it freaked people out. But I found it really entertaining. But it was an also, you know, it's another great way of you just getting your thoughts out because you can't see what you're writing. It's just in your head and knowing the keyboard so well that you can just kind of put those thoughts out there. Random useless fact that nobody really needs to know but me um, (laughs) is the very, very, very first computer programmers who were in Linux and Unix never used a monitor when they wanted to see what they had just input into the computer they used the term print and it would literally print out paper from a printer what they had just typed into it so i'm sorry useless random knowledge very similar i'm sorry your your uh, your little anecdote there reminded me of that awesome so recovering in this- computer scientist is okay <laughs> She is a recovering pediatric scientist. We, we, we forgive her for that. Uh, so, you know, just major takeaways here is with your first draft, it should never be your final draft. Editing is the way to a great uh, marketing piece. And your first draft should be an opportunity for you to just get your thoughts out, get them kind of grouped into different areas and rearranging things in the future is completely okay. You've been listening to Chatting with Copywriters where we talked about how to create that first draft and why it's definitely called the ugly first draft. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, feel free to smash that subscribe button so you get future episodes delivered to your favorite digital device. We'd love your ratings and reviews, so take a few seconds and let us know what you think. Also, if you want to be on an episode, visit our website at chattingwithcopywriters.com slash guest.